So COVID hit and it destroyed my business. Like we went from a seven figure business down to like nothingness. And this year has been rebuilding. The reason I'm working with entrepreneurs right now is because I went, I went balls to the walls for four months, excuse the expression, but it's the best way to put it. And I tried everything I knew to make that continue working and to bring it back. And I couldn't. And it wasn't because of me. And it wasn't because I was doing the wrong things. It was because this pandemic has affected everybody. And if you can't go out and shoot and photograph, I should say, it's probably more accurate. So <laughs> I used to say too. Oh, I can't go out and shoot people. So what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So I, I did everything, but people couldn't work. They couldn't photograph. And they weren't even sure if they should book clients or not, because how long are we going to be in lockdown? And all these businesses are hurt. And so why would a business owner ever hire a photographer? And even though I knew the answer and I'm like, we are needed more than ever now. Like there has mm-hmm. never been a better time to be a personal brand photographer. Even though I knew that I couldn't help pe- shift people's beliefs. And so tried for four months. It just wasn't working. And I knew that my cash was running out. You start to panic a little and you're like, oh my gosh, we could lose everything. Like, and I I kept hearing that story in my head. I've been wanting to work with online entrepreneurs and teach them what I did to build this seven figure business and to build a movement around it. Not just put a couple things up and make a bunch of money, but truly make transformation, shape an industry. And it's repeatable. It's not just Mm -hmm. because I got lucky. There's a system to it. There's an intention to it. There's purpose behind it. And I can teach other people how to do that because I'm good at taking those geeky systems and saying, here's the process, follow the process. Here's the intention and the purpose. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. This morning when I was in the shower, I was like, it's podcast day. It's podcast day. (laughs) We love podcast days. And it's weird because of this timing when we're recording. It's now December. And so we're like stacking recordings to deal with holiday vacations and breaks and things like that. And it's just weird because we like to have a consistent system. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't like to go too long without doing the podcast because I need that injection of joy. Yes. Yes. Because joy is a basic need as we learned from Katie Blomquist. Yes. Good job. Thank you. See how I did that? I know you're really good at that. (laughs) That's one of your skills. Yeah. Our, the December 1st released episode to coincide with giving Tuesday was a lady named Katie Blomquist who started a nonprofit called going places in Charleston, South Carolina, where they donate bikes to schools with underprivileged kids and not just one or two bikes or to a classroom, whatever. Every kid in the school gets the same branded bicycle. Like they are custom made. Everybody in the school gets them like, and so. So go check out, listen to that episode and continue to do it. Yeah, Going Places Nonprofit. Anyway, but today's guest I am so excited about because I have, I have a relationship with this lovely woman and she is like amazing. And I followed her for years and years and her name is Jamie Swanson. 
Are and you fangirling? Is that what that means? But if this had been like a yes, year ago, yes, I she's shaking totally would have yes. been, right? But this is a different <laughs> level of fangirling, right? Because now I get to have a really awesome conversation. Um, so basically you're using the podcast to have conversations with all the people you've been fangirling for years. Now I no, know. That is, I have scared. other conversations with Jamie. I'm just with you, I know you're fucking with me. Leave me alone. They, she loves to fuck with me. Anyway, so today we have Jamie Swanson, who is known in the um, photography world as the modern tog. Also had a course called the market tog and now has spearheaded the personal brand photography as a niche, so to speak, and kind of brought it to the masses in certain ways. And she's done some other cool things. She has the Bright Entrepreneur podcast. And is starting to now roll into doing masterminds and all these other really awesome things. And, but that's not where you started. So she's like the fairy godmother of brand photography. Ooh. Can we brand that? You can take it and run right, with it. Super. And then. <laughs> I'm not uh, old enough to be a grandmother though. Let's no, just I be said clear. Godmother. Fairy <laughs> godmother. godmother. Right. Godmother. Absolutely. Fairy godmother. <laughs> The, yeah, she's super cool. You can, you'll learn more about Jamie Swanson when we attach her links and all those things. But in the meantime, she didn't start that way. She started she didn't as start in, out cool. No, mm -hmm. she started out super cool because <laughs> there, she did a thing that I'm like, that's so beyond my skill set. And she was an actuary. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> anybody? Do you need me to explain Somebody, it? Somebody, anybody? Bueller? Go Just for me. it. Okay. Think about how accountants are super dorky and they look back at the numbers for the last year and they're like, here's what happened and how much you have to pay and how much you made. Actuaries look back at the last five to 40 years and say, oh, based on what's happened, here's what will happen over the next several years. So it's like way geekier. So you predict really, the future. Huh? You predict yes. the future. I was a professional model, predictive modeler, but model. Nice. <laughs> I love that. I do love that. Yes. That's awesome. But no, but seriously, like they're the people that, that like the insurance companies pay tons of money to so that they can predict what, what is going to be coming as risk factors so they know who to charge higher premiums to. Yeah, super dorky, <laughs> super boring. It like sucked the life out of my soul. I had to get out of it. Yeah, so why don't you tell your story of how you got out of the super dorky actuary? The soul sucking. Yeah. But it plays a huge part in what you do now. Like, I see it because of, of how you operate and how you do, like, your systems and automation and things like that. So, like, it's still there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm geeky. Yeah. So, gosh, you're taking me way back. This is fascinating. <laughs> I've never had someone ask me to go back this far, but I basically was sitting in a cubicle doing predictive modeling. So learning coding languages and reprogramming the brains of things like Excel and whatever else and making it do my bidding yes. and <laughs> taking all of these exams because it's very, it's, it's very rigorous. Not a lot of people go through this and you have to learn a whole lot of geeky math that you never want to know, even if you like math to do it. And I had gotten a DSLR camera and was taking a few pictures for friends and my babies of my babies. Oh, my babies were little. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, I just really loved photography. And so my cubicle was filled with photos. And my, I started having some friends ask if I would take photos for them. And then you know, it's a pretty typical photographer story. But then I had one of my good friends in the actuarial department. Her name was Trisha. She saw pictures and she said, man, and we, we had this conversation in the department. If you we, actually, the conversation was from like the head of the department and then my boss and then a few of us in the department standing around one day talking about how the actuarial 
career was boring as snot and that they wish they hadn't gone into it. Like super not awesome for somebody who's fairly new into it thinking, oh my God, what did I get myself into? They were like, it's great money and no stress, but it sucks. And we had this conversation. If you weren't doing this and you could go back and do it over, what would you do? And my friend Trisha's, I'd be a professional photographer. And I wasn't. I'm just like, I don't even remember. I'm like, I think I'd do this because at the time I was still convincing myself that I liked it, but just really liking that I feel felt smart right. and all ego. <laughs> but the amazing thing was Trisha then went out within two weeks. She had bought herself a DSLR and some pretty lenses and she had literally started a business. And I'm like, what just happened. She literally just <laughs> took action and started mm -hmm. this business. I'm like, that wasn't that hard. And I'd always wanted to start a business, but I'm like, oh, it's scary. It's hard. It's, I've got to know all this stuff. And I don't know. And I'm like, dude, she phone called her accountant and he's like, yeah, I'll do the paperwork. You're ready to go. And yeah. like, like this, he was just like a business owner. And I'm like, what the crap? That's it. Yeah. Like in North Carolina, you just hit print. You fill it yeah. out. Yeah. You mail it in with a check and you're done. Yeah. And even better, <laughs> you know. can you scan it in and you pay the $2.36 online and fee and it's done. <laughs> yeah. You think it's so, I just had this weird right. mental block. And so then I'm like, screw that. I'm starting a business. And so the week later, I started my photography business just mostly to keep it legal and protect myself. And yep. yeah. And so I just, I really love that. And then I said, oh, I'll never do it full time because I'll hate what I'm doing. I lose the love of it if yep. I go full time, yep. which was code for I'm scared shitless. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. yep. um, if I try and do this and fail, that would be disastrous. And I'd be leaving my high paying, cushy, easy job with mm -hmm. lovely people. Boring. Great job. Great paying job for something unexpected and a photography salary. Like mm -hmm. we all know, it's not like you go into photography to make millions of dollars. And I just as time went on and as this job started to suck the life out of my soul, I'm like, no, I actually do want to do this and I want to get serious about it. So I started getting geeky with the numbers because if I can run massive predictive models of whatever else, I can figure out how to price photography. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll just go to the top of the market. We'll market for that. We'll charge this. I'll only have to do 15 weddings a year and we can make a living and do that. So it took me I think it was about um, 19 months to go from basically making just over $3,000, I used to know the number, to making enough to fully replace my salary, to pay for benefits. Because my husband was in college at the time, so mm -hmm. he wasn't bringing income in. And basically transitioned full time and do photography. And while I did that, I attracted a lot of attention to go from nobody to the high-end market and suddenly be booking out full and have a wait list and all of this stuff. It made people say, start asking me. So I was getting emails and this was far before Facebook groups existed. This was back in 2011 is when I officially left, but I started attracting a little attention before then. And so I get emails and then I'd have people like on Flickr messaging me back where communities <laughs> yes! used to live. That's so funny. <laughs> I know we're going way back. And they're like, how did you do this? What did you do? What, like, where did you come from? Like, how did this happen? I'm like, I can't claim to be a pro, but I can tell you what I did and what worked. And people are like, yes, please. And so I'd send them these emails. And then I ran across um, this site called ProBlogger. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of it, but it was like, the guy who learned how to make money blogging first. And mm -hmm. then he started teaching people what he did. And I, it like blew my mind. I remember the day I was in the library studying for one of my actuarial exams. And I, I don't even remember. I think a friend mentioned it or something. And I checked it out. And I'm like, 
oh my goodness, this is what I'm doing. I've been emailing people this help. I could make money helping people grow their mm-hmm. own businesses and just say, hey, I don't know it all, but here's what I'm doing. Join me. Yep. And so I took some time and that I launched that about two and a half months before I left my full-time job to do photography full-time. And so it was a side project and it grew really fast. So my first thing was shocker, a pricing guide in Excel Mm -hmm. where people could punch in the numbers. It's still selling, which is hilarious to me. But I started with that because I'm like, photographers don't know how to do pricing. I can can do pricing in my sleep. That (laughs) is 110% accurate. The biggest question in any photographer group is, what do I charge? charge? Am I worth this? What do you think I'm worth? Do, it's fascinating. And I'm at the point now I just scroll by, right? Because uh-huh. I'm like, I know I'm not jumping down that rabbit hole with you. But before, like it's, it causes a huge anxiety. And I think that's like relevant for so many creative businesses that we just like, because we're creating literally out of nothing. And for photographers, it ends up being, I think I have that I think I did buy that pricing guide. Like in, in I, I think it was. everybody has gone had through it. my stuff or seen me has yeah. bought that pricing guide. <laughs> it's been wonderful to have. It was a really smart way to start. But yeah, so that was the start of it as I launched the Modern Tog, like you said, um, March 1st of 2011. I left my full-time actuarial job June 11th of 2011, I believe it was. And I have been a full-time entrepreneur since then. Photography was what was supporting me that first year out of actuarial work because we had built up our schedule and into the next year. But the online side of the business, I think we made, it was either just shy or just over $10,000 from the pricing guide and mm. whatever else I did with the modern talk. I did a lot of affiliate promotions that first calendar year. So in 10 months. And then the next year it was like, I think it was like 109,000. And the year after that was like 300,000. And it just started to skyrocket. And it blew my mind. I'm like, oh my goodness. And it wasn't just like the beauty of making money, but I can help people. I loved the geeky, like learning to run my own. Like I love photography. It was fun. When I started a business, I'm like, ooh, I can get geeky about it and I can figure it out. And like, it was fun to see it go from basically nothing to full time in such a short amount of time. But then to take that knowledge and start helping other people with it really made me start coming alive. And that was where I was like, oh. And so I, I really cut back on the photography so I could focus more on helping other people. And because I've got this really weird strategic mind that can take these complex ideas and translate them into things that artists can do, because I also have the artistic side. I'm one of those center-brained people when mm-hmm. you test. You know, I've got the logic, but I've also got the art. It was a beautiful combination to be able to take what I was learning on the online space and say, hey, we could do this as photographers and let's do it. So mm-hmm. that's how the online business all began. That's I don't know how much more you want me to go, Jenny. I can't no, like an hour good. about my story because right. I was crazy. like, I have questions. I well, uh, and I and it's not even really a question. I just want to point out the first takeaway. So, listeners, takeaway number one is know your numbers. A lot of entrepreneurs don't do that. You they're afraid it out, of the numbers, right? And you mapped mm-hmm. it out in the beginning and said, this is, you reverse engineered it and said, this is how much money and to price it. Yeah. This, that, and another, and this is the market and this is the market I want to be in. So you knew that number because when you don't know your number, then money doesn't know where to flow. Like money goes Mm -hmm. when it knows where to Mm -hmm. flow. And so you set that up by knowing your numbers from the get, which made it way easier for you. So everybody starting out or right now, if you don't know your numbers, figure out what your numbers are, figure out what your goal is and how to get there. So you know, take can, away I, one. can I share something with that too, Sarah? Of course. I So 
I know this is a big jump, but right now I'm running a mastermind for entrepreneurs who are six figures wanting to get to seven. And we just started it. We just had our second meeting. And that's an exercise I walked each and every person through was we shared our business model on a single sheet of paper to show how so we could all understand what we are doing and what are each of the products we sell and what's the, f- the customer flow? What do they go through at funnel if you want to get geeky? Yeah. And then I said, what's your goal for 2021? Like your stretch goal. If you hit this, you're going to just fall over. And what happened was we took that goal and we said, okay, how many people in each of your things do you need to make that happen? And even though it's very basic and you're like, oh, it doesn't tell you what to price, but it's, oh, that's really it. If I can get 96 people into mm-hmm. my masterminds, I have a million dollar business. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yep. it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's two people a week. That yep. feels doable. What do I need to do to make two people a week interested in joining these masterminds? And it, it builds the belief that it's possible. Correct. And when, once you see it, you cannot unsee it. Yes, And now girl. you're like, oh. It's, that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, once you know the truth, mm-hmm. you can't unsee the truth. Do you right? remember the conversation that you and I had about Sarah Bone? I said, I was like, oh, I had that coaching call with my photography mentor mm-hmm. when we talked about my online course and how many people, and if I did this and just had this many people sign up for, you remember that? Yeah, yes. that was that literally like that process of going through. If you have this many people, like how many people did you have signed up this time? What's your target? If how many people converted and paid for photography services after that? So basically you just need 16 people to sign up for each one of your courses when you run it and run it once a month. And I was oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it is, it's when you... She's talking about having that center brain, like being able to see the logic and the art in it. Like when you have someone else to go to, even if you are a six figure earner, even if you're a seven figure earner, you still need somebody to bounce that back to you because in your head, you're never going to see it because it's your baby. It's your Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's even a step further than taking, knowing what the number is so that the money knows where to flow. It's having that support in place. Yep. That's why every business owner needs to have a business coach, a mentor, something. Or a mastermind. Or a mastermind. Or both. Or all of the above. You guys are speaking my language. I'm like, yes, I'm just over here wanting to like cheer, but not interrupt because what you're saying is so important to hear. Yeah. (laughs) And then the second takeaway. So I have a second takeaway and then a question for you. So the second takeaway that I got that really resonated with me is, and I think as entrepreneurs, we get into business to serve right? If we just wanted to make money, we can do that in corporate. We can just have that where you don't, where everything's not on you. You show up, you do your Mm -hmm. thing, you go. But I feel like the majority of the entrepreneurs have a servant's heart and they want to serve. And so for you, you're, wait, I can help teach people how to have that same level of freedom and fulfillment. And I can serve people in a bigger and more impactful way. Yes. Like the money is awesome and the cherry on top and multi six figures, like woohoo, that gives you more Mm -hmm. ability to serve in different ways and to be a change maker, things like that. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, I think it's the servant's heart and knowing, okay, these are the amount of people that I've impacted. And then this is the amount of money that I've made doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. And when you have more income, you can make more impact. And so it's this win-win. You got to overcome those weird money issues because especially servants and people who love helping others, sometimes they have these issues about, I would just do it for free. And you have to unpack that sometimes. But once you do, man, it can just, you can just 
like multiply your impact and your income at the same time. It's really fun. Yeah. If I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm like, okay, within the first year you were able, like, okay, let me say this. In a, I'm like, I don't want to say it in a way that's offensive, but I don't know how to, so please don't take offense to this. Like when you described your story, I was like, that sounded like a pretty easy journey. Like she made good money the first year. She and has that, six children. Okay. That's not I didn't then. <laughs> right. But I just had to throw that in there to be like, let's just put things in perspective real quick. But do you see it? I want to know, because if I'm a listener, I'm going, oh, she made it really fast. That's easy. How did she, she's the lucky one. All those limiting beliefs oh, yes, that come yes, up yes. for people where they're like, she had this high paying job that could help support her. I don't have all those limiting beliefs and excuses that come up. All the up. what if monsters that happen right. when you, yeah. So what I would like to know is one, in the beginning, what did you do? to make it easy. Like you did, you knew your money stuff. So you knew the numbers so that it could flow. What did you do in order to set yourself up for that luck, so to speak, and that ultimate success to make your path easier? Um, I will be straight up honest. I was having babies at the time and I was working all the time and I was doing it at night. I don't even remember. I, this sounds terrible, but it's been 10 years. I don't remember the things that were particularly difficult, but Everything felt difficult. Everything felt exhausting. But I do know now because what happened, and so this is answering both of your things at the same time, because I, I wish I could just say, hey, it was this and that and the other thing. Honestly, I was like, hey, let's try this. And then it started working and I'm like, wow, this is, I came in with no expectation. So it was just fun. Mm -hmm. I had all my income for the photography business done. That was good. But this past spring, since it's December right now, so COVID hit and it destroyed my business. Like we went from a seven figure business down to like nothingness. And this year has been rebuilding. The reason I'm working with entrepreneurs right now is because I went, I went balls to the walls for four months, excuse the expression, but it's the best way to put it. And yeah. I tried everything I knew to make that continue working and to bring it back. And I couldn't. And it wasn't because of me. And it wasn't because I was doing the wrong things. It was because this pandemic has affected everybody. And if you can't go out and shoot and photograph, I should say, it's probably more accurate. So <laughs> I, I used to say too, well, I can't go out and shoot people. So what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I used to joke about needing to have two t-shirts, like I model for a living. And then also I get paid to party because I would go to these weddings and yes. shoot people at parties or shoot babies. Yes. Like all these yes. terrible things you can use to describe your job. That's, That's funny. Anyways. There's a merch line, merch line yep. right there. Yep. It's true. It's so inappropriate, but it's so funny. Uh, so I, I did everything, but people couldn't work. They couldn't photograph and they weren't even sure if they should book clients or not, because how long are we going to be in lockdown and all these businesses are hurt. And so why would a business owner ever hire a photographer? And even though I knew the answer and I'm like, we are needed more than ever now. Like there mm -hmm. has never been a better time to be a personal brand photographer. Even though I knew that I couldn't help shift people's beliefs because I'm a visionary. I see what could be. And so tried for four months. It just wasn't working. And I knew that my cash was running out. Like we were, we, when you lose literally all of your income, except for, I don't know, 10 or 15%. And even that keeps dwindling a little bit month over month, you're like, you start to panic a little mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. we could lose everything. Like, and I, I kept hearing that story in my head 
and I had to work on rewriting it, which is a whole nother story. But, and so I'm like, okay, I've been wanting to work with online entrepreneurs and teach them what I did to build this seven figure business and to build a movement around it, not just put a couple things up and make a bunch of money, but truly make transformation shape an industry. And it's repeatable. It's not just Mm -hmm. because I got lucky. There's a system to it. There's an intention to it. There's purpose behind it. And I can teach other people how to do that because I'm good at taking those geeky systems and saying, here's the process, follow the process. Here's the intention and the purpose. And so July 13th was uh, my day where I let go of everything photography and I went all in with working with entrepreneurs to teach them that. And so the last four or five months has been me rebuilding from scratch with no audience, with no money behind me cushioning me. It was literally like, okay, I got to pay my bills and I need to make this amount of money by this time. And I need to get rid of all of this software stuff and all of this team and all whatever, because I, I can't pay them. And so it was making all, it was probably far more stressful this year restarting than it was at the very beginning when I did, I did have the job and I did, Mm -hmm. did have to take risks and I did have to put a lot of time in, but there wasn't pressure. I wanted to be making, I think my goal when I started out was $8,000 a month within the first five years, because that was, that would replace my household income and whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hit that in 18 months. So it was just joy. It was fun. There wasn't the pressure. Whereas this Mm -hmm. year, man, we have this seven-figure business. I've got to make the hard decisions. My savings are gone. We're taking on debt. We've got to shift. We've got to build fast or we need to sell everything, find a job, whatever else. And it's hard. And you can rebuild. I've been rebuilding quickly. I'm still not fully in the black yet, but we're getting close. But uh, a lot of it was saying, okay, what, again, going, like you said, Sarah, what do I need to be making per month to feel like I can breathe a little bit? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, with the team that I normally have or want to have, with the expenses and the debt that we've accrued that we want to pay off, with the living, like we have a beautiful house with a guest home that we let people stay in. It's like our little mini ministry. And we have, you know, all these things. I'm like, if I don't want to change everything because COVID came and destroyed what I had, I'd really like to be making $30,000 a month. So how can I get there in three months? And I didn't get there, but it was like, okay, I'll do coaching and I'll do $5,000 days and we just need six people. Six people Mm -hmm. seems reasonable. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to be coaching all the time. I love it, but that's not sustainable long-term. And um, so I'm like, okay, I could teach how I did this thing. And I started teaching a course and I love the course. It was just the whole process that I talked about with building your business. And it was really transformational. But as I was doing it, I'm like, love teaching this, but I don't want to be teaching a course. The part that I love the most is the small group interaction. When we do the coaching calls, when we do the Q&A, and I had this membership in the photography industry, which is where I got to know Jenny really well, where I did one-on-one coaching and I got to work with people a lot more intimately. And that was the stuff that lit me up. Mm-hmm. And I've been in a high-level mastermind for the last three and a half years. And I knew that a lot of my growth came from having other people around me who were my colleagues, who were committed to encouraging each other and sharing and came with a heart of abundance and generosity. Mm -hmm. And I -hmm. saw what they were doing in their industries. And I saw them hitting these incredible goals. Like some of the people in there are now approaching an eight-figure business or have an eight-figure business. And most of us started with little six-figure businesses. And we've grown over the last few years together and seeing what worked for them and what didn't work for them and taking that and really 
being believing that it was possible for me, you build up all these beliefs. And so I was like, man, I want to provide that for other people. I love this mastermind format. I'm a visionary, a strategist, but also a community builder. Mm-hmm. And if I can work with small groups of entrepreneurs and help take them from where they are now to where they want to be, and they can watch what other people are doing and they can have that belonging and somebody to believe in them, and you can help shift their beliefs to see that it's possible and then show them all these different ways that it can be and support, be a mirror and support them along the way. That's mm-hmm. what lights me up most. Plus, I'm also yeah. the one who sits on like social media and gabs all the time. So it's perfect because I can always be like connecting with people and getting paid a lot of money to do it. It's win-win all around. I, right. Jenny's laughing really hard right now because she knows it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know it's true. It's really amazing though, because the thing that, so you were asking like, Uh, Sarah, you were asking before about what is it? Because if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh, this was luck. Oh, this was Mm -hmm. just a a circumstance of events that happened and now you're here, which we all know it's not. A 10-year journey that leads you up and down and backwards and sideways and forwards and all that. It starts from a place of, like you said, zero expectations. I was going to say, girl, that was step one. I wrote I, down steps while you were talking so you good. can use it and systemize this mess for yourself <laughs> when we're done. Step so one, it, it no starts with zero expectations, <laughs> but it also starts with going to the awareness, right? Knowing, yeah. figuring out what lights you up. Mm-hmm. Because, and I feel like I've been the fly on the wall this year, kind of watching this development of what has happened in the, in the communities that you've grown. Cause I'm a part of the personal brand photography membership. I'm a part of And that is where Jamie says here for this amount of money, you pay every month and you get this access. And then we do these laser coaching and you can sign up for as many as you want. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm going to sign up for as many as I want because that's worth the price of admission. Correct. And then like, yep. I'm access like to the, the access to the expert. Mm-hmm. And then you get those conversations, but it's knowing that the person on the other end that that coach, that mastermind leader, whatever it is, is coming at it from a place of 100% generosity of spirit. Mm-hmm. Because that is the game changer for us entrepreneurs that are sitting on the not six figures or on the not that we're still building or we're still the trying to yet. figure things out. The not. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's where like finding the people who are not just there with the next shiny coaching program. That are not there with the big flashy like ads that are going to come up in the sales pages that are going to tell you all this value that you're going to get. Right. It comes from the real place of wanting to help. Yeah. And I, for people listening who are out there like assessing the program, because there's so many things Mm -hmm. that you can be doing. One of the things to ask yourself is at what level do you have access to the expert? Because if you're joining a program that they're like, here, this is this membership site or here, this is the, make sure that whatever you join has access to that expert. Even Mm -hmm. if it's just one call a month or like you were saying hot seats or whatever, that differentiates the, I'm here to make money and reach as many people from the people who are saying, I'm here because I actually genuinely want to see you succeed Mm -hmm. where it's about you. So Mm -hmm. just a little tip of when you're out there figuring out what you Mm want to be involved in and where to spend your money is I've made those mistakes for sure. Oh yeah. And 
buying programs where there's no access or you like do it on your own. Don't waste your money on that, y'all. <laughs> That's funny because I actually prefer some of the self-studies. I'm like, don't make me wait six weeks to get all the content. I just want it now so I can synthesize what I can take from it and start implementing today. So that, you know, it, it can work. I think it's a way. balance. Yeah. Huh? It depends on what you're looking for because there's right, a balance totally. for, there's a need for that webinar type format of just give me the stuff. And then there's a need for Jamie's program where she made us wait every week to get the next Mm-hmm. Step. <laughs> I think so and we to didn't do it get it all while you were waiting. Exactly. You needed yes. that because there was implementation tasks. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And so she's but, wanting lifelong in your bones transformation. Yes. 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 But I will say, to be fair, both ways for that course, I now have a self study version because. I know that there are people who need this, but I can't sustainably run that business because of how it's been hurt with COVID and everything full time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so what I decided was I'd rather have a self-study version where people can come in and still be a part of the community and ask the community questions Mm -hmm. and put it out there for the people who want the info than to not have it available whatsoever. So for me, Mm -hmm. I feel like even though that's, and I'm not feeling attacked or anything, but I think you can do it both. It's just, you need to know, do you need feedback from somebody? And if so, make sure sure you're getting that in like you're selecting something that's going to be there. And if you don't and you're like, hey, I just need this info as fast and easy as possible so I can start doing because it's not about the information and knowing. It's about the doing. It's about pushing past that fear, that resistance and doing that makes the whole difference. And as Mm -hmm. long as you yourself and what you're looking for, both of those can be served for sure. Great point, Jamie. Great Great point. And I think it's the think of it as are you a person who can download the Peloton app and or download an app that says do this on this day and you're going to roll with it and hit your fitness goals? Or are you a person that needs to have your trainer there going, come on. That needs to leave it. your house to go see right. the trainer at the gym. Right. So that mm-hmm. you actually participate so because a, there's an external reinforcement there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great point, and I Jamie. Think, yeah. And I make, I make people wait every week for my content too. So it's okay. <laughs> That's, I think that there's there has to be a balance, but there also becomes that next step because now I'm at the point of I only have so many hours in my day. Mm-hmm. And so how do I automate that so that I can reach both the people who just want all of it at once to put it into action and the people who need the handholding? Well, or, and or, or like another idea, that's what I'm trying to get at, <laughs> is how do you bring on uh, an accountability person to Ooh. they have... They're the touch point for your people. Mm-hmm. You're still showing up in the group maybe once a week or once a month or biweekly or whatever the hell you have time for, but you have an accountability person. That's their person. I actually have a friend. His name is Richard Ralston. I know you're all going to want to go check his stuff out now. He's figured out how to run accountability groups in large courses and is working with some really big names doing this with hundreds of people that is really sustainable, that are sticky. They're ones people actually use that actually get them results and progress that don't involve the leader of the course or the membership to have their hands and their paws and everything. And he mm-hmm. has ran those for me since July through, we just closed our, that part of it because my course ended right before Thanksgiving. And so for several months, he ran those for me. I was like hands off and they ran seamlessly. People attributed their progress to me. I got success stories. They got through the course more and I didn't have to touch it once every other week for an hour. 
I had a meeting yep. to mm-hmm. touch base with what was going on within the groups. So I'd meet with the leaders and then let them ask me questions. They'd get a little access to me. But it wasn't paid leaders. It was all just students. They just had to follow the format that Richard put out there. So he's figured it out. I've tried them in lots of different ways. I've let people run with them on their own. I've tried to do them organized. They've never stuck at such a high percentage rate as the way that Richard is doing them. So richardralston.com. He's amazing. If you have interest in that, by all means, go check out his system because they're amazing. Yeah. The other thing I want to highlight that you said too is, okay, start with you came in with no expectations. That means it's clear. The flow is clear. There's not things blocking it up. There's not lack scarcity, pressure, like you said. And then you said step two, the system, the intention, and the purpose. Yeah. This year, I've had that scarcity because I've had to make money. I've had the urgency. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to come into it this time with, oh, I can just do whatever and it can take as long as it needs to take. It was like, okay, I know I need to make this amount of money in this amount of time or at the very minimum this much so that I can Mm -hmm. keep my house, make my house payments and whatever else. And um, as much as I hate to say it, sometimes when you have that pressure, it drives you. But it's really, you will have a lot more fear and you'll have a lot more resistance. So when you're doing something new, a lot of it is not getting stuck on all the things you think you need to do. Like, I don't have a website at all for my new thing. And I have made a lot of money with this new thing. I'm just like, hey, Mm -hmm. contact me directly. I don't have a website. I have a Google form that's an application for my webinar or my mastermind, not my webinar, my mastermind. Um, I don't have a webinar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have a course that I did in a free Facebook group that I just did via Facebook Lives. And I'm like, hey, I don't have it pre-recorded. I'm doing it as we go as a beta. And then I ran it again the same way a second time after I got my feedback from the first group. And I said, hey, we're going to do it together. I'll do lessons every Monday. Just show up. They'll be there for you. And we'll do the Q&A. So you can do stuff really inexpensive. You can do it for... You don't need to have all these other things. You, you don't need to have your sale. I don't even have a sales page for a while. I just had an order form. I just had a way for them to pay. And so mm-hmm. we think we need to have all these things in place. But really, it's just our fear keeping us from moving forward because we're afraid it's not going to work. And so it's so much easier to spend another week or two tweaking a sales page or trying to, oh, I can't do this yet. I haven't pre-recorded the videos. You don't need to have it done before you sell it. And maybe you spend all this time creating stuff and nobody wants it because you haven't tested your messaging. You don't know that it works. And so much of it is taking action and getting into momentum despite the fear, despite the resistance. And anytime you put something out there that's new, there's going to be resistance. And you're going to see all these other people succeeding and see these big numbers and be like, oh, I got eight people. That sucks. Like Mm. I launched to 53 people in October and I got eight sales. And I'm like, I never want to launch to 53 people again, because like I was so much work. But when I looked at my numbers, I'm like, oh, I made over $10,000 from 53 people. That's pretty dang good. If I look at everything, I'm like, oh, I converted 15% of them. That's amazing for a $1,300 product. And so it's, oh, okay, I just need more people. Because when you have 120,000 people on an email list, you send out an email, you make money. It's, oh, this is easy. This is fun. And you will get there. But today you have to trade pennies for dollars later. Like you trade pennies today Mm -hmm. for dollars later. You put in far more work and you don't get that validation through sales. You don't get as much of that because your audience is tiny. But then when you figure out who they are, what messaging really works for them, how you get them to convert and buy, 
And then you can say, oh, okay, now I know how to sell to them. I know it gets them results. I know that it works. Now I just have to get a bigger audience. You shift your focus and then things get easier because now you've figured out the main stuff and now you just need to grow. And as you grow, you will pick up more and more momentum. But the biggest thing I think that holds people back is fear and resistance yes. and not taking mm. action on the stuff that actually sells your product. Because when we sell, it refines everything. You can talk to your people until you're blue in the face before you sell. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'd love this. And I want that. And this would be amazing. Da, 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 da. The moment you ask them to pull out their credit card and pay. Oh, yeah, but and then you get the gold. That's when you really learn what they want, what they don't want, what their hesitations are, what their objections are, why they don't want your thing or why they do. Because we think, don't know what we want until we have to actually put money on the line or make a real decision. We can talk, you know, all this stuff. So that's why it's so valuable to just start selling and not worry about all the peripherals and not worry about all the stuff. Because as you sell, as I did my launch to 53 people, I actually reached out personally to many of them via video. I just sent them personal videos or DMs or whatever via voice. I just said, hey, there's this thing. I think you'd be great. Or, hey, I don't know who you are, but I'm doing this. I appreciate that you're here. Just wanted to let you know it's there. Let me know if you have questions. And then you have conversations and you hear their words. You learn what they really, like somebody was like, how is this different than what everyone else is doing? I've taken all the stuff. How, and it's, oh, I've got to address that because now I'm working with the middle market, people who are experienced, not beginners. Yep. And yep. so- it was a different conversation that I needed to be having and it shifted what I was doing or, Hey, I'm in the messy middle. I don't have time for all of this. How much time is this really going to take and how quickly can I implement? Oh, okay. I need to address that. And I can talk about how this is going to help you get out of the messy middle and that you're never going to have enough time in the messy middle. But if you don't at some point stop and get intentional and really start getting clarity, you're never going to be able to make that that momentum. And this course can mm -hmm. help you do that. It can give you that intention and pur pur purpose. But I wouldn't have known those things if I hadn't been selling. Because people are like, oh, yeah, I want to grow my business. Yeah, I want a clearer path. But when you ask them to pay, they're like, oh, yeah, but and that's the gold. So when you sell and you focus on selling, then you really learn. And that's when you really get momentum. That's some good shit right there. <laughs> Just saying. Sarah, I've been watching. I know like, she's a little bit blocked. That's a home run right there. Yeah. She's like, there, we're done. And, I, and That's some good shit. And I needed to hear that good shit. Yeah, you shit did. You because, did need to hear that good shit. Yes. because And it's so funny. I just had this conversation yesterday with a new person I was networking with online. And she said exa exactly that. She's, how often are you reminding them that you have products and that you sell? And I'm like, but I'm trying to build my group. But I'm No, trying to build she doesn't. Group. I, I do it for her. God damn. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know. I do it for you. I'm like, have you called Sarah? I, That's what I say. But I forget. You need to be. I know. It's not, even, it's not even like I'm not wanting to. Or maybe there is some kind of oh, subconscious no. block that's making me forget. But, and, but she gave me these two little sentences just to say. And I was like, oh, shit. She's just once a week. Just be like, hey, I have room in my schedule for two nude clients. If anybody wants to jump on board, just like you're reminding them of uh, you're actually paying for my services. I'm not just here to offer because then I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because you hear the yes, be generous with what you value, have and, value, and value. Good value. Yeah. And when you're when you give us stuff away for free, then people then you fit then people figure out that they want to work with you and then they'll hire you. The, it actually, no, because then they're like, but you've been giving me free for yes. three fucking months and now you want money from me? What the hell? I'm You set the expectation that everything was free. And that's what I did with my first Facebook group. And I got so damn resentful because I value free training. Da, 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 da. And then I was like, okay, I've nurtured enough, right? Now I can sell. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. And it was this hard lesson of they got so used 
Like I trained them yeah. mm-hmm. that everything was free has to be intentional so that it builds yep. desire for what you're selling. So you can give them value while also building desire for the thing that you're mm-hmm. selling. So I like to, I, I talk about it as showing the gap where they are now yeah. versus where, who they want to be. And then you position your thing as the way to get there. So you can talk about how, like I use bright entrepreneurs know that if they want to grow fast, they have to sell and sell often when they're starting out so that they can get their messaging figured out and they can get their conversions figured out. And they need to know how to speak about the transformation. But beginning entrepreneurs, they get stuck growing the audience, giving everything for free without intention. They don't know how to build desire for their product. They don't know how to attract the right people. And they keep spinning their wheels and not making progress because they don't realize that they're focused on the wrong things. They're not focused on the right Mm -hmm. things at the beginning. You're building the audience, but you need to know how to sell to them. But it's like pouring water into a bucket with no bottom. I don't care how much water you pour in, you're not going to catch any of it. And so until you learn how to catch the water and keep it in the bucket, don't keep pouring water in. So it's just like you said, you will get resentful, you'll get burned out. And so Mm -hmm. I I don't have a product for this, but I could say, hey, my product can teach you how to go from focusing on the wrong things to focusing on what really matters and the intention. I guess I have my course, but whatever. You do have a product for that. I was about to say, like, using this, I I do, but I'm not promoting it. (laughs) I'm making that part of my mastermind now. So I don't have the need to like say, hey, my Bright Future Method workshop can help you learn how to, what you should be focused on, how to build this business mm-hmm. that's actually aligned with who you are and not just what you should do because gurus. So you see how that builds desire? People who are like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. be that bright entrepreneur. I want that course, but you're still giving them value because you're showing them what they need to shift. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people miss. They don't know these things. You, The difference now is that I have all this experience having learned it the hard way. And if you can use your experience and show them, it just, it helps a lot. Yeah, you're right though. It's scary. It's hard, but you got to sell. You got to sell and figure your messaging out from the beginning as much as humanly possible. And it's scary because we don't want that rejection. And I want to challenge just a little bit about the, the entrepreneur journey being the hard way, because one of the things that is really interesting and, you, and you've mentioned it throughout is the way that you were just open to whatever the opportunity was that could like you were affiliate marketing before mm-hmm. affiliate marketing was cool. Yep. Right. Yes. You were open to those other things because again, you went into it with no expectation. So it's not that it's hard. It's having an open mind that there may be other things. It's hard work, obviously like it's work, it's effort, but it's not, it doesn't have to feel like you're just, you're in the bucket with no bottom. And she cre- she took 100% responsibility for creating her own economy and her business. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you, boo. Thank you. Appreciate you. You know, the, the real truth is it's not so much about what you're doing and not doing. It's about all the personal junk in us. Because like we're, we're yeah, look at exactly you guys are freaking you said out. This week. I, I made that post this week. No, did I, you read my mind? No, I'm sure I did. We're on the same uh, energy level. It's great. We are. But um, it's, it's all the junk in us. And until we can see that and move past it, move past the fear, realize that selling isn't pushy and manipulative. It's not the story we have. It's just finding out how to f- invite the right people to join what we're doing. Like what's the mm-hmm. filter we need to do to help them identify if that's who they are or not, if this would be a good fit or not. And once we figure out that filter, which is just our messaging, then we invite those people to join us. We don't want the wrong people. They won't get results. They're going to be unhappy. Like we want people mm-hmm. we can help. So if you think of selling as an invitation to the right people, it becomes so much less stressful and less scary. Mm-hmm, right. And I think too, that selling is valuing yourself. 
like valuing your gifts, valuing your superpowers, valuing your time, like your effort. Yeah. It's just, it's a reflection of you're worth that. value yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and the more people pay, the more they pay attention. It's actually in their best interest to pay more than to pay less, which is why I charged a lot of money for my photography course, way more than what most people in the industry were charging, because I realized having done this for years that if I charge less, if I don't charge anything and I give it to them for free, they file it away in a folder in their email inbox and it disappears yep. forever mm-hmm. and they never take action. And all of our progress comes from taking action. And so if I charge them a lot of money to where they have to make it back, they will do the work. And if they do the work, they will get results. And so it was very easy to sell and to know that, oh, this isn't me being like greedy. This is me helping them in the best possible mm -hmm. way. Yes. Yes. And as a product of that, I can attest to the bag that it works. Yep. (laughs) Woo-hoo, yay! Full circle there. All I right. was like, and on that note. And on that note. You ready, Joe? It is time for the lightning round. <laughs> Alrighty. So here on the Girls Who Do Stuff, we do this really fun thing called the lightning round where we rapid fire questions at you and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Sarah, go. What's your favorite place in the world? Right where I live, my house. Yeah, go follow Jamie on Instagram and you'll see all these amazing pictures of her hikes and her house and her, I live on, it's gorgeous. I live on a hundred foot cliff overlooking Lake Superior in the woods. Yeah. It's pretty. Nice. Yes. And Sarah is now on Instagram, so she can now so go follow you. I will follow you. Great. This is just a happenstance of like last month. So we're pretty excited. Amazing. What is your number one favorite book? Oh my goodness. The first book that came to mind is called Multipliers because it's most recent and it's the one that hit me strongest. It's about learning to empower other people to do their best work, specifically within team settings. But I wouldn't say it's my favorite all-time book. That's just the first one that came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) You said to say the first thing that comes to mind. I did. I did. What is your biggest fear? Abandonment. What's the best advice you've ever been told? Mm. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get done. Yes. Done is better than perfect. Absolutely. Yes. And you've probably heard me say that a bajillion times. I'm sure. And I say it all the time too. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, do. I yeah. do. What is something people often get wrong about you? I'm not sure. That's an interesting question I've never thought about. Maybe they think that I am, I'm a very confident person, but I still have insecurities and vulnerabilities. And I think that might surprise people sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that has something to do with the online presence, uh, the online persona versus like the real life because. No, the, I'm this confident the, in person too. <laughs> I, no, but I'm saying like in the, if they're getting, if they're getting it wrong about you, right. If they know you from the world, the more professional setting world online where you're like, you are projecting that confidence all the time. They don't see the vulnerabilities unless you follow her on other. So anyway, I, I, I think know. part of it is that I, I <laughs> just I have this fear of abandonment that I just mentioned because there was an event when I was little where I shared what I really wanted and was thinking and I got shut down. And so mm-hmm. I struggle to really share when I'm struggling and mm-hmm. so I don't, at least I didn't. This is something I've been working through the last 18 months or so. 
And so I was afraid if I shared that I was struggling, I'd be seen as weak or needy, and then I would lose friends. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't share that part. And so now I'm stepping into being more honestly vulnerable because I have a deep tolerance for vulnerability, but not that deepest like when I'm falling apart. And so I think that's maybe why I think of it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. What is the number one thing on your bucket list? I would love to spend like a month in Norway with a car exploring where my family came from, skiing in the mountains, seeing all of it, running everywhere, eating all the food. Nice. (laughs) I love that. Even Ludafisk. Do you eat Ludafisk? Uh, I've had a bite. I would try a bite. (laughs) If I was in Norway and there was a bunch of people and they were all loving the Ludafisk, I would eat me some Ludafisk, but I don't know that I'd enjoy it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What is something you are profoundly grateful for right now? Oh, my friends and support. I've never leaned into having true friends as much as I have in the last year and a half, and it's been life-changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you could go back to any age in history, where what would you tell yourself? In my personal history? In your personal history. Mm-hmm. I think I would go back to like my teen and early 20 years and tell myself to not be afraid to want what I want and even acknowledge it. Because I've always just gone by what my, I've always wanted to be the best of any label. So I want to be the best mm-hmm. mom and whatever that seems to mean and it would be like just want what you want be okay with that and not be afraid of that and be honest with yourself through all of it because I think there is a lot of self-deception mm-hmm. without even realizing it mm-hmm. yes yes what keeps you up at night not a lot I sleep really well but I would say <laughs> trying to grow this new business fast enough and not lose everything I had built mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if your life was made into a biopic. Who would play you in the movie? Oh, Zoe Dashiell. Yes. <laughs> she's quirky. She's weird. Awkward. That is true. I'm That's like, totally me in to real Google life. That. Zoe. Yeah, Googling. the chick from New Girl. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I'm bad with names. <laughs> me too, normally, but I'm like, I yes, you. I resonate with her because she's just a putz like I am. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question for you. What would your theme song be? If your life had a theme song, what would your theme song be? I've got a feeling <laughs> from um, <laughs> that Black song, I forget who, the Black Eyed Peas. It's like yeah. mm, the weirdest, most not typically me song ever, but it's followed me along. gonna be a good yeah, night. I think yeah. I, I caught on to it with weddings at the beginning and I remember hearing it and saying, man, this is what I was meant to do and I love this. And, and somehow it's followed me along my entire journey and spoken to me at different times. That's it. Awesome. That's awesome. So funny. I Yay. love that. Awesome. All right. Thank you yes, thank so you much. So much for spending time with us today. Tell us where can people find you? Um, I have a podcast called Bright Entrepreneur Podcast, uh, brightentrepreneurpodcast.com. Would love to have people who want to hear what a bright entrepreneur is and how to grow your business over there. Joe is writing it down right now. Yes. (laughs) 
He's been making notes the whole time. I know that's like, like he purposefully keeps himself off camera so he can just do his thing. But he does. He keeps notes the whole time. That's why we have him. Oh, how sweet. Because we love him. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. I'm super appreciative of your time. And yeah, go check out the Bright Entrepreneur podcast with Jamie Swanson. And that is all we have for today. So I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you do, do you, you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 